When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Actually, sure, we're presented by them still. Why not? Doesn't matter. Uh, Rudo, Jesse, Megan, here to talk about not the Avalanche losing in round one, but everyone else losing in round one. Oh, because thank God. <laughs> well, look, we've talked plenty about the Avs and their yeah. loss. And as disappointing as that may be, I actually think they're pretty okay mm-hmm. going forward relatively compared to some of these other teams that we're going to get into who it's like, oh, are they are they done making the playoffs now? Let me Let me ask you guys real quick. I'm going to derail this immediately and i just really want like one or two word answers because we have an entire summer to talk about what i'm about to ask you (laughs) do you guys think the abs roster will look drastically different next year drastically no okay megan it's a lot of ufas what like I what qualifies as drastic? I guess is the question. But whatever, I feel like the entire bottom six is going to look different, and I don't know if that counts as drastic. I mean, it's it's really your it's whatever you define as drastic because I tend to agree with what Rudo said that no, I don't think it's going to look drastically different. But I do also agree with what you just said, Megan. That I think the bottom six is definitely going to have some new faces. In. So uh, goalie's the same. That's not changing. Defense, you're assuming health. You're talking about one new defender. I'd say one or two, depending on what they decide uh, to do. Maybe two. Forwards, Landeskog's not going to be healthy healthy for the start of the season, so I think that's where you start to make a case because you're saying you really need to fill two top six spots with Landy out. Right. And then the bottom six is going to be new hook. LOC and the rest of it is pretty up in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do consider that significant. I would say not quite, especially if Landy comes back at some point during the season. And this is all operating under the all operating in the assumption for everybody that Val is back. Yes. Yes. Start of the year, right? I'm still imagining him there. The yeah. hole in two C is going to be an interesting part in the top six conversation that could also make the look dramatically different. I think I tend to agree though. I don't feel this will be so dramatic because the core is what I think of when I think of the Colorado avalanche identity and that's going to be intact. I think, you know, parts are going to be like, we're going to see Bo Byram get re-upped. We're going to see new hook likely re-up just something reasonable there. And that, that all makes sense to me. Yeah. I was wondering, I had a conversation this morning and just wondering how you guys kind of felt because I did. I had someone say like, well, you know, this roster could look totally different next year. 
I was like, I just don't not know. The roster just isn't that different when you if you have Miko, Mac, and Kale. Yeah. Everything around that is not that it's not important, but those three dudes, Kale's literally playing half of every game for you. Like, yeah, it's 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 the Pittsburgh model. Keep your yep. core, and you're always in it. Whatever you got to do around the edges. I was just wondering. Sorry, we can get into the actual. No, no, it's a, it's a good question, and and I think it's a good jumping off point in comparison, specifically for a team like Boston. The biggest upset, blah blah blah. I don't care. Boston lost in seven. That's all wow. that matters there. You look at their roster. Pasternak is the one guy that they're really keeping around long term. But the rest of that team, yeah, I mean, I guess they have Marchand for two more years. Bergeron, gone. Bertuzzi, almost certainly gone. Krejci, gone. You get into some smaller pieces after that. A, a Nosik, a, a Trent Frederick, gone. Uh, Dmitry Orlov, gone. I, is is it over? <laughs> is, is Boston going to go from President's Trophy to out of the playoffs? Look, so here's, here's been my thing with Boston all year. And Rudo, you and I used, used to a couple of weeks ago, we would, <laughs> you know, we would sit on the couch and you and I would kind of snicker about the bees. Cause we would both say How like predictable this all was. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> and here's what I find funny about Boston. If you go back to the beginning of the year, analytics models really liked them. But a lot of people looked at the way that last year went for them and just kind of the way that the core is aging and they're entering that final phase. And I think a lot of people kind of looked at this year as like they brought Krejci back. They're trying to run, you know, they're trying to get the old band back together to run it back one last time. We all know what's going on with Bergeron. Marchand, while he's still very effective, he's getting near the end as well. Um, you know, contrary to where it ended there was not a ton of widespread belief in the goaltending because Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman had been good one B options in the in their careers in the past like there was a lot of uncertainty around this Boston team and that dude posted a sub 900 in the playoffs right uh then they go on this historic run and I think everyone kind of forgot that this was being looked at coming into this year as getting the band back together for one last ride. This is one last shot. It went really well. They went all in at the deadline. Everyone thought that, hey, are they going to have a chance to kind of send this core off into the sunset with one last cup at the very end of it? Like you said, I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't see them losing in the first round to a wild card two team. But it ending in brutal disappointment, I thought was one of like, the easiest bets you could have placed all year. Um, To me, I think this is probably still going to be a competitive team, maybe a playoff team, probably a playoff team next year with the way the rest of the Eastern conference in the bottom half is coming, especially in that division. Um, You have to imagine for me that Omar and Swayman revert back to their career averages, which is fine, which is fine goaltending. It's not president's trophy, but they'll, they'll be right. okay. Yeah. Totally passable tandem setup. And that's where I kind of see this Boston team going for the next year or two. And so you until you really start losing some of those guys, to be honest, if they're not on the run that they're on this year, I, I 
would imagine that Pasternak probably passes on that uh, that extension. Yep. And sees what he gets in free agency this year. But I imagine he got caught up in the moment of all of it. And, hey, we're on this run. We're not going anywhere. But really, I, I think this year was the last chance that this group had to really, really be considered cup contenders. You know, you can always catch some magic and go on a run. But um, I, I think you're now – you're going to be without Bergeron. You're probably going to be without Krejci. Changing of the guard coming. So here's here's my problem for Boston. And I think you're right in the immediate. Hey, look, David Pasternak is sick good. That dude could probably drag them to the playoffs, assuming they get competent defense at all, which with Charlie McAvoy and Hampus Lindholm back there, they should be fine. They don't have a first or a second in this year's draft. They don't have a first or a second in, or a third in next year's draft. And their prospect pool is not they basically don't have any of high caliber when it comes to the, their prospect pool. Their, their highest prospect is John Beecher, I think, who's a 22-year-old now. Uh, we have Shane Bowers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we know better than most that uh, the ceiling on that might be pretty hard stuck, unfortunately. Uh, and, and, you know, right now, sure, Brad Marsh and Taylor Hall will do fine for them, but you already saw it start this last season, a little bit of a decline in Marshan's production. You saw it come with Taylor Hall as well, a decline in that production. Is... <laughs> Can the guys they still have continue to do this, Megan, or are we going to see them really start to produce offense at all? Well... I do think this is a team that gets a slightly new look going into next year because of the changes we're talking about, inevitable changes of players leaving. They weren't completely silent at the deadline. I think they're going to have limited options just because it's not going to come about through being able to leverage picks, at least in this offseason. But they are going to have some cap space come off the books uh, to, to mess around with. I don't think the Cinderella story of a year that they have this year is repeatable. I just think it was an anomaly in ways but I mm -hmm. do agree with parts of what Jesse's saying that there's still parts of this roster construction that are very sturdy and so I do believe that this is going to remain a competitive team especially with some of the star power you're alluding to at the top in Pasternak and Marchand but I think they're going to need to bolster this team in the offseason and that's going to determine how competitive they look going into next year I don't think last year or like this recent season is going to be a fair frame of reference for them just because of how star studded the season was. But I do think they're going to remain competitive because I, I describe it as sturdy. I do still think that they're the way it's constructed is built to remain competitive. Do we it, have to let them, can we just have a Boston team everyone can dunk on? <laughs> so, so uh, here is, Here's the one part that's going to be interesting for them because I, I agree with, you know, Megan said, you know, that they're going to remain competitive and Jim Montgomery did a really good job too. I'll be honest. I, I thought he failed the test in, in, in the first round playoff series, but you learn from that kind of stuff, you know, yep. he'll bounce back. I think he's a good coach. Um, what if you're a Boston fan and if you're that front office, what you have to be a little worried about right now, 
is falling into the dreaded middle because I look at what that what's coming off of that group and the age of that group. And I think that there's maybe the tendency to say, okay, like what Megan was saying, well, we got to get right back in and retool this roster and, and, you know, remain competitive. And I think you have to be careful because of what you both alluded to. They were, they were not silent at the deadline. They spent picks, they spent prospects. You go start handing out some money, you know, big money free agent deals to try to jump right back into this and, and, and extend this window out. You could end up in a really bad spot. In and then you get eliminated in the first round again, and you're right, we're, picking right. in the middle of the first round. Yeah, where, yeah, you become Calgary or Minnesota, where you're yep. just you're you're picking, you're, you're you're making the playoffs, and you're getting bounced round one, year after year after year, and then eventually you look up and you're the Red Wings, and you went from having the longest active playoff streak to now holding the second longest playoff drought behind the Buffalo Sabres. And you're just in this weird middle land where you don't really know what you, you know who you are. So I do think that's one thing that, that Boston maybe has to be on the lookout for. Um, but I, I, I agree with what Megan said. Like, that's a good defense back there. Let me, let me ask you this. Do they get away with it a little more, as we alluded to after this year's trade deadline, where the fallout from the East going is all in as it did? Not just Boston, but a handful of teams in the East, does that kind of soften up the competition a little bit for them? Are they going to get away with it a little bit more? I don't think so. Just because all of those picks and prospects have gone somewhere over the last couple of years. And now it's all the teams coming up behind you. It's, it's Ottawa. You know, I know the Islanders made it, um, but you know, suddenly Florida has re-entered the chat as, Oh yeah, we're a pretty good team. We won the president's trophy last year. Like, you know, there's a lot of teams coming up behind them. And for some reason, Eastern Conference teams are just like escaping my mind right now. But, you know, I said Ottawa, Buffalo, those, all those picks and prospects went somewhere. Yep. Go ahead, Megan. Sorry. I think Washington's not going to have a season riddled with injury quite the same that they did this last year. So I expect Washington to jump back into this conversation. And depending on what Pittsburgh decides to do uh, yep. in terms yep. of an office management, they could become, I mean, it's a flip of the coin, but they, they could become something extremely competitive in the East as well. So Jesse's right. Just, just building off of, I, I was, when I was going to say Pittsburgh, they, their goaltending just imploded this year. I don't think Pittsburgh is maybe as bad as some people think they are. You know, Megan, you and I even talked about that on at the rink two weeks ago or whatever of like, yeah, Sidney Crosby missed the playoffs for the first time in a long, long time. You're starting to see the change of the guard, but this Pittsburgh team really is some decent goaltending away from being right back in that mix. I think at bare minimum, a Boston level where I think they'll be at next year. Um, does it help that teams like the Rangers and the, and the, the Maple Leafs and the Lightning have also hemorrhaged a lot of assets recently? Sure. But I think the Rangers and the Maple Leafs are a lot younger than the Boston Bruins and the Tampa Bay Lightnings are staring up at two banners out of the last three years. Like all of those teams are kind of in a better position than what Boston's coming off of where, you know, they're now a decade plus removed from their last cup uh, and they're really in kind of the same asset 
position as the rest of those guys. Um, it's going to be interesting. All right. I, I do want to talk about the West too, but first we are brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. You can get yours at your local liquor store. Use the Breck Beer Locator anywhere in all 50 United States. Yes, even Hawaii. No excuses. If you're on vacation somewhere nice and warm and sunny, you guys can still get your Breck Brew out there. Go to breckbrew.com and get sick merch from them too. And then when you're sitting on the couch with a beer, make sure you're watching Fubo TV. You can go to fubotv.com slash DNVR today. When you do that, you will get 15% off your first month of Fubo TV Pro. Super easy to use. It's just an app on your smart TV. You click it on, you're watching television over 140 channels it's really no different than using comcast or direct tv or any of those options for you so highly recommend you go check it out if you're looking for an alternative and it's got altitude so when the season comes back around for the abs you'll be able to watch all of the games right on your television no jumping through hoops or anything like that to catch your hockey team use fubo tv today again fubotv.com slash dnvr to get that first month discounted uh second period of the dnvr avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings sportsbook going to the west i think one of the more interesting conversations on this side of the eliminated teams is the winnipeg jets and things get interesting because the jets most of their important players are signed through next year. They have one more year to make some of these decisions, maybe do things at the deadline if they want to do. But things get weirder when the other day, Shevel Dayoff comes out as GM of the Jets and says, hey, we like our guys. We're going to try to run it back with this core for the sixth year in a row. I, I just don't understand what the, the plan is with the Jets. Can can someone explain it to me? <laughs> no. And that's the problem. Like, the, the, the fact that he comes out and says that, to me, that 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 is the ultimate – it almost has to be the ultimate. Do you guys remember um, uh, Mark Bergevin in Montreal? There was the joke for several years where if Mark Bergevin says you're not being traded – pack your shit because you're you're on you're on the block that has to be what this is this has to be a we're gonna publicly throw cold water on this and then deal with all this internally behind closed doors you've got connor hellebuck openly saying not interested in a rebuild i'm interested in contending for a cup immediately as of next year i want to be contending legitimately for a stanley cup you got Blake Wheel. Well, first, you got your coach calling out your guys in a pretty harsh way after an elimination game. Then you got Blake Wheeler, your captain, coming out and saying, Yeah, I didn't like the way Rick Bonus handled that. Rick Bonus was in the wrong for coming out and blasting us to the media when he could have had the conversation with us. There are issues there beyond your on ice personnel. You can like your players, that's fine. That's not the issue. The skill. And talent level of your players in Winnipeg is not the problem with that Jets team. Yeah, I agree. I'm trying to find the list of each because there were several players that were upset in Rick Bonus handling. It, it was more than a few. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I think six is the number I have in mind, and I hope to find the number of the names of each of the players. But that's an issue. I felt like 
we hear about a culture problem in the Jets room and it does seem to be at least if that was once the issue I think the players interpersonally are good it's just now an issue of players to coaching staff the head coach specifically that are not connecting that's a huge problem that doesn't get resolved if nothing changes and that seems to be the plan in continuing on with Rick Bonus and hoping to re-up the same players as before. Yeah, play, player coach relationship notoriously whatever. Don't yeah, doesn't matter if that's a big deal, right? Like <laughs> n- n- notoriously a passive detail. But like no, Megan, you're right. Like you now the problem is now extended to players and coaches don't get along. They've already announced Rick Bonus is coming back. Yep. To me, the writing on the wall is like it has it has to be this clear, right? Like, there's no way they're actually going to try to run that back. I feel like Calgary is a cautionary tale for a few teams in different ways. In this totally. case, it is when you do have what you expect to be the core or the elite talent on your team not getting along with the coach, it's a problem that can keep you out of the playoffs. Calgary, this is an example of that. And then with the Boston conversation from before, you allude to this danger zone of the middle where if you have a player that you bring on that has regression in in their play, it can also be like a Huberto. It could be the reason you're out of the playoffs. And that's what Boston needs to be cautious of in what they decide to do in the off season as well. It's there's a lot of lessons to be learned that Calgary already went through. If teams choose to accept that. Well, it's so funny because, and I'm sorry, Rudo, but like, it's just so funny because it's, it's such a good point, Megan, that like take a stop, take a deep breath, and learn the lessons that other teams have painfully learned for you. And I think this is the part that's just so mind-blowing for NHL fans. And, you know, Rudo, you and I have talked about this kind of shit now for years. The, the way that teams just don't, seem to learn those lessons or they don't seem to like heed any warning from other teams that we see go through it. I'm not, you know, not to pile back on Linus Olmark, the dude had a tough 10 days, you know, but I've got his elite prospects pull up here in front of me. Part of the reason why Rudo and I kept laughing all year being like, there's no gonna way. come. Yeah. That's gonna come crumbling down. That guy's going on 30 years old. He has an entire professional career that says he's a good NHL backup. Average. He's an average NHL backup by 10 years worth of numbers. He rattles off a 9.38 and people are like, ah, they found their Vesna guy. Can you believe it after Tuka Rask? And it's like, how does nobody remember having seen this movie before? There's been... <laughs> 15 iterations of this movie in the last 10 years. And it's like, nobody's watched it. And Megan, you're right. If Winnipeg actually tries to run that back, it's like, you don't even have to look very far. There's a team currently going through it and you're choosing to look the other way on that. And for think for some reason, Oh, well, when we do it, it'll be different. So we can, we can bash our head through this wall. I think the one thing about Winnipeg is that conversation is kind of flipped because the one thing they do have, the only reason they made the playoffs is because Connor Hellebuck is awesome. Yeah. But, and he's 
going to walk at the end of next season. Like mm-hmm. all signs point, point toward him not being there. And if their plan is, hey, let's go all in to lose in the first round again because Connor Hellebuck right. ran out of gas because he had to play 80 games to get us this far. Yeah. It's that team's just going to fall apart in a hurry. I would, if I was Winnipeg, I would go to Buffalo and say, it's Connor Hellebuck. We're starting with Uko Pekalukinen. And let's add some assets from there. Get some firsts, get some picks, maybe another prospect in there. Give Winnipeg a goaltending prospect that you can be excited about. I think Uko Pekalukinen's good. I think he's got an NHL future. And it fills a need, you know, for a team like Buffalo. That's what I think Winnipeg needs to be doing this summer. Start with your big assets that you need to move and go from there. Start acquiring these picks. Colorado, New York. Yeah, I'm not going to go with Derek Arizona yet. There's multiple, again, examples around the league. Rebuilds don't have to be this long, painstaking process if you, if you commit and you do it right. Yep. You can turn things around quickly. You know, Chicago might end up being an unfortunate example for everybody because, you know, as much as everyone hates the Blackhawks, like they, they sold off. They went all in on getting rid of their guys. They have completely restocked their cupboards with quality prospects and, and, and a, a lot of draft picks. They may be able to get this turned around in just a few years. It doesn't have to be something brutal. Like Megan said, look at the cautionary tales around the league. Look at what teams have done well and embrace it. And I have a feeling that Winnipeg is going to go with the former and they're just, they're going to, they're going to choose to ignore all of these lessons that other teams have learned for. Them. I, I hope they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's another team in the central. So benefits yep. the abs. If they continue trying to like said, bash their head against that wall, I don't think it's going to end well for them, but um, yeah. so let me move back out east here and let's let's have this conversation because especially if you're new to hockey is tampa's reign of terror over <sighs> Megan, go ahead and you look like you got something better to say off the top of your head i just enjoyed the way he said that is <laughs> i think it's it's at the end of their window i okay but I don't think that means they completely go away. I still see them being a team that is vying for a playoff spot at the end of the season, is in a playoff spot, and is still in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I just don't know if I have them pinned as a Stanley Cup contending team presently. I think they took some swings at the deadline that didn't quite make sense, and they're going to have to live with those mistakes. They've pushed a lot of their chips to the table that they just kind of have to live with what the roster construction is now. I still think they're a well-coached, uh, well-coached group. They still have pieces of their core. Let yeah. me actually pull up their contracts to see who's definitely around for. Oh yeah, they've still got a lot of talent. Point Stamkos for one more year, Kucherov. So this is going to be a team that you don't count out entirely. They're going to be a pain, but I don't think their reign of terror in terms of the Stanley Cup juggernaut that they once were is quite the same. There's a couple things you have to keep in mind with Tampa. One, this current core that is so dominant, that's a lot of homegrown talent. That is a lot of guys that 
they brought up through their system. So they've got a track record of being able to find some of these guys. Tanner Janot, I imagine, is who you're probably referring to there with they made some moves at the deadline that you're going to have to live with now. I think you, you, if you're Tampa, you have to hope that Tanner Janot eventually turns into who you wanted him to be, even if it wasn't in the immediate for this playoff run. And the reason that I am with Megan that I, I think I'm ready to move them out of like perennial cup contender tier, but I still think this is a very good team that if they ran back to the Eastern conference final last year, it wouldn't surprise me for a couple of reasons. One, they're following the model that we talked about a little bit off the top where it's keep your core, keep your core and you can fill in around the edges and you can get there. And so, then it's Vasilevsky. You've got that dude. You're in every it's, game. It, it's a couple things for me. One, it's Vasilevsky. I will say he looked human this year and he did look beatable while still a very good goaltender. Uh, but the two things for me that, and I agree with you guys. I think they're still a playoff team. I think they're still very good. I just don't know that they can continue to march to cup finals and things like that yeah, is yeah. because one, Steven Stamkos will be 34 next year. The top end of their, their players are starting to age out a little bit. Uh, now they still they're have, getting, they're getting into that territory. And, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it does. The things that happen at the end of windows are starting to happen to them. I don't think it's fully there yet, but it's starting uh, they're going to lose a bunch of depth guys like Belmire and, and Corey Perry. So that side of it. And then two, their defense just isn't as elite as it used yeah. to be. Victor Hedman's still very good, but not literally maybe the best defenseman in the world. Uh, now, Sergachev does make up for that, but you look at the rest of their decor and they've gone from guys like Ryan McDonough helping fill out that lineup to Ian Cole, Zach Bogosian, Nick Perbix. Look, still a solid defense, but Fine, you're not talking yeah. about, oh, are they actually the best in the world at every position? Now, what would scare me if I'm an Eastern Conference team next year is that these guys are about to get a full summer's worth of rest for the full time in three years. That's and true. I agree with you. Andre Vasilevsky looked the most human. He's maybe like looked, ever looked since he took over that net this past season, but you know, there was a comment that just popped up. He talked about it this year. Like I'm getting tired. Like we've played a lot of hockey. Um, I, I think they were entering into territory of like having played one full additional season than the rest of the league. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're about to get three and a half months off. I, Julian Breezebois is not afraid to make big moves. Um, yeah, I, I mean, this is one of those teams. I agree. I really, I agree with everything that's been said so far that they're approaching the end of their window and that you're starting to see the things that happen to teams when they approach the end of their window. But I also wouldn't be surprised if this core has like one more cup final run in them two years from now. You know, where, where you just get enough guys that come up that fill in th those bottom half of the lineup spots just well enough. Uh, you pick up a free agent here or there who has a good year. They get bought into the culture. I agree with what Megan said. I think John Cooper's a great coach. Uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they made one more cup final run. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, 
I think we got to witness a, a pretty special group and a pretty special run from that group over the last few years, but probably in the back nine now. Happens to every team eventually. Certainly. So they certainly made hay while it was good for them. So hard to feel bad for. I, I was going to say, I saw, uh, I saw someone the other day that was talking about like, oh, what mistakes giving up all that they've given up over the last few years. I'll bet you they don't feel as good about it now. It's like, I'll bet you they feel great about it. I'll bet you they do it all over again. Like, holy cups, come on now. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> back to back cups and a third run to the final. I'll bet you there's, I'll bet you there's a lot of chest pounding going on at that inside that front office. Like, told you. They probably regret losing the third final more than anything else. That's right. Like, right. That's right. the only thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and then yeah this this comments right here honestly vasilevsky gets back to who vasilevsky is I, he, yep. he just he makes them so hard to pick against in the playoffs because of what we saw there for three years where he would get his back against the wall and it was like oh cool i'll just give up no goals then oh we're facing I will, elimination i guess just back-to-back shutouts sweet i okay. will say for a team at the end of their window no firsts for the next three years yep so the cupboards are not exactly full for Tampa in that regard. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we are brought to you by Shady Rays. You can get your sunglasses today at ShadyRays.com. When you order two pairs with the DNVR code, you get 50% off. Jump on it. Go check out all of their styles. They have tons of super dope sunglasses. Uh, we all have a pair. I, we, we have pretty eclectic taste when it comes to sunglasses, actually. We all we all have kind of our different styles. So there's one for everybody, even ski and snowboard goggles. If that's your thing in the winter, they got those covered for you with all sorts of different polarizations. Uh, their best part is you break them, you lose them, you don't like them in the first 30 days. Just let them know and send back your pair you don't like. They'll send you out a new one for zero cost to you. So go check them out, ShadyRays.com. If you're local here to Colorado, they have a brick and mortar in the Park Meadows Mall too. Uh, and also brought to you by Pins and Aces. You throw your sunglasses on, make sure you're looking good the rest of your, your fit on the golf course. So look good top to bottom. Everyone loves their hats. Uh, they also have cool other stuff too, uh, whether it be polo shirts or golf pants or spikes or whatever it is you might need our golf towel is maybe the best golf towel in existence i'm not going to lie to you the dnvr golf towel is fantastic uh you can check out pins and aces at pinsandaces.com use the dnvr code to get 15 percent off your entire order if you really want to be the coolest guy on the golf course you can go get their uh, beer sleeve or their liquor stick which goes right in your golf bag and then you're serving up drinks to people on the golf course like one of the cool kids uh, check them out again at pinsandaces.com. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I don't think any of the other teams that were eliminated in round one besides Colorado, which we talked about and understand a lot on this podcast on why they got eliminated and how things went this year, Tampa, Winnipeg, uh, and Boston those are the teams I think that can have a little bit of disappointment getting eliminated in round one. When you look at the rest of these teams, LA, Minnesota, the Islanders, and who's New the York. other team? New oh, York. the rain. Yes. Okay. The Rangers are definitely disappointed. Yes. We do have to talk about them. So here, here's, here was something that I was telling Megan, 
I don't know when I was talking to you about this, Megan. It was at some point recently. But, you know, we, we were talking about the way that the Rangers went all in, right? And I know they didn't end up spending a ton of assets relative to the players that they got in, but they had to move things around. They had to make money work. They had to ship out young players. They had to ship out picks. I know everyone was upset with the Avs not making a lot of moves at the deadline, but sitting here now on May, whatever it is, third, fourth, third, who would you rather be? The Avs or the Rangers? I'd rather be the Avs. Me too. It's it, when it comes to New York, their problem isn't the high end talent. They've got Adam Fox in the back end. They have Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad at the top of their lineup. They have Igor Sosturkin in net. They should have all the talent in the world to win those games. So what happened? What went wrong? So, in my opinion, there's a couple different cautionary tales this season about this type of thing. I think one of them is the Calgary Flames, and I think one of them is the New York Rangers. I think the New York Rangers went on a pretty magical run to the Eastern Conference Final last year. When you actually go back and it, look at it felt how, overextended, yeah. How, how the sausage was made on that run, man, a lot of things went their way for them to get there. And I think they maybe they did what the 13-14 Avs did that next summer after getting bounced in the first round. It was, oh, well, that's who we are. So we're just a couple pieces away. And they went and they, they moved a bunch of assets and they went all in at the deadline. And then they got to the playoffs and they really found like, no, you were a couple more than just, you're a bit more than just a couple pieces away. And then I think the other side of that is, you look at like a team like Calgary. The Rangers did not bring in insignificant players at the deadline. They brought in Patrick Kane, longtime letter on his on his chest in Chicago, three Stanley Cups, a lot of experience, a lot of veteran leadership. Vlad Tarasenko, letter on his chest in St. Louis for years, Stanley Cup leader in that room. I think it's hard to figure out where guys fit within a room like that. And, and you're trying to get them up to speed. You're trying to get them bought in. They were both where they were for a long time. I just think this was a situation where like Calgary, you not like upset, like piss anybody off, but you, you, you changed a lot of what happens in that locker room. You changed a lot of the, the, the primary voices. And now not only is it a really good player in Patrick Kane, but it's three times Stanley cup champion, Patrick Kane. Are you deferring to him when maybe you shouldn't be? Is he, you know, being given, I don't want to say too much respect in that room, but it was just an interesting situation. And I think it was, had a team like Toronto gotten bounced in the first round, you would have been able to say definitively between Calgary, New York, and then had it been Toronto, like, cool, changing your room too much doesn't work. Um, I, I just think that New York got it maybe a little bit too far ahead of themselves. And they brought in two different guys that, I think it's just hard to fit that into a room three weeks later. Let's jump into a cup run. Um, yeah. J just a weird spot that New York got caught in there. 
Fair enough. It's uh, you look in the playoffs, and you know Patrick Kane played fine, six points in seven games. Tarasenko a little bit worse, only four points in the seven game series. I just struggle to see an effective path forward for them because they're going to lose Kane and Tarasenko. They're going to lose some of the other pieces. Yeah. And if this core can't do it, they can't even really blow it up because they're locked into a lot of these contracts for a very long time. Well, they're still young. Mm, Not at the top. Kreider's 32. Zamanjad's 30. Panarin's 31. Yeah, they're not old. Like they, that that course got multiple good years left. But... Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, here's what's unfortunate in my, in my opinion. This should have been the year where the Rangers said we're running it back with last year's group. And I thought, I I I, I thought at the time, because of what they had to go through to do it, I thought the addition of Kane was a mistake. I thought they needed to pick. Kane or Tarasenko. And that was your that was your bone you were throwing your team as a reward for everything they've accomplished over the last two years. I just think when you look at the Kane situation, they made their move for Tarasenko. So guys in that room start settling in like, all right, this is the group. Here we go. Kane comes out, makes that statement, and then it was obvious. They started moving heaven and earth to fit him in. And I just think that that's a weird message to send in that room. Yeah. We think we have to do everything we can to not only add already a, a score, we already added our guy up front, but now we're going to move guys out. Now guys are questioning who's safe, who's not. We're sending draft picks to bring in Patrick Kane. And it just felt weird. It just felt weird. And I just can't imagine that it wasn't a little bit of a distraction. I thought they should have done Tarasenko and they should have rolled and just see what happens because we went on a run. We weren't expecting to last year. We believe in our core. Let's see what we can do and then reassess this summer with another year of experience. Hindsight's 2020 though. It does feel like even the failures of the first round for them point to poor planning, even just in game. I don't think they responded to New Jersey's identity of like shutdown in the neutral zone type hockey very well because the games that they lost were by a close margin because they had trouble meeting that moment when the games were close and on a knife's edge. Oh. They were unable to find the offense that was needed, and I think that the pressure became insurmountable for them in those moments, and they struggled to sustain any pressure in the offensive zone because New Jersey wouldn't let them, and they just didn't have a solution for that even though they have the – high octane weapons up front and they still will like even though Kane is a rental which I think what you're alluding to is part of the problem it does send a very weird message that the necessary piece is one that's only going to be there through the end of this season because then what I think similar to the conversation we're having you can't count Tampa out because of Vasilevsky you can't count New York out of a competitive window because of Shesterkin I know we addressed that he he also probably, I don't know if actually we said it yet, but he also looked human at points. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be something I think keeps this group competitive, but they have decisions to make uh, with some of their players moving forward. Even a young player that hasn't 
it's like a new hook comparison in my eyes in Lafreniere, what has happened with him in New York. They have this, some decisions to make. And I just worry about some of the poor planning that if there's not enough in-game response, in-game adjustments, but then even just the bigger picture planning that we're kind of talking about brought them in this room of taking these huge swings at the deadline, not really with cohesion in mind. I worry then about what that means for the offseason if they're still not quite seeing the bigger picture, how they're going to manage assets like Lafreniere. That, your Lafreniere point is exactly what I want to get to because what do Colorado and Tampa have in common? Tons of homegrown talent. Well, New York really has not done a very good job of that. Sure, they have Adam Fox, a superstar defenseman fell into their lap. Awesome. They have not gotten what they wanted out of Capo Caco, out of Alex Lefren- Alexi Lefrenier. Uh, even on the defensive end, out of someone like a Braden Schneider, it hasn't quite come the same way on, in the Avs Cup run. They had a fantastic playoffs out of Bowen Byram. And that's my big concern for them going forward is, okay, they clearly don't have all the pieces to do it. They tried to do it at a trade deadline. They tried to force it. That didn't work. I don't know that they have the ability to develop in the young pieces in their organization to push them there either. So I just don't know the way forward for them. Well, again, just going back to what I was saying about, I I thought all along that this year should have been their year where we're just going to let it ride. Especially when you saw, like Megan alluded to that Igor Shesterkin wasn't having the year that he was having last year. You know, we all talked about it on on just different shows over the summer and, and things like that, that, while what we saw to Shesterkin was amazing, you wanted to wait a second and make sure, is this who he is? Or is he a very good goalie that's capable of getting to this level? Or is he really going to play at this level, you know, all along? And he straight up got outdueled by uh, Akeem Schmid. For what it's worth, he had a 930 in that playoff series. So it's not like sure. he played poorly. Yeah. No, but... but, you know, it's just, it, it was it was interesting... I would have liked to see them let it ride and, and see what they've got and trust that they're in the beginning of, of a competitive window here and then make some adjustments and, and, and make some, you know, changes from here. Like Megan said, to get to this point and to bow out the way they did, it just, it makes it hard to trust the vision that they've got going forward. You, you, you wonder, did, did they, did they go through that rebuild and then their eyes got a little bit, too big when they achieve success faster than they thought. It certainly seems that way today as the off season plays out. We'll see. Um, like I said, I think the other teams you're not all that disappointed in Minnesota is still cap screwed by their own decisions. Uh, LA is in a little bit of a weird spot because what are they going to do in net? Bro. LA is a team that if they get that figured out, I think that's a, I think that's a scary good team out west. I agree. If, I agree if they can figure side. out, if they can figure out the goaltending, which easier said than done. But I don't know. You know, maybe they call Winnipeg this summer and say, "What can what we do? do? We gotta do. How, yeah. how how can we figure this out?" I really do think LA is a goaltender away from being a a, a contender out west. Maybe you never know. Um, and then Megan, I I just don't know that the team's I was just eliminated. How, much, how many years of hockey Kopitar has left? Not that this completely changes everything, but he he is a, a 
large piece of it. But I mean, Deneau has been fabulous also in LA. So this is. They really need Quentin Byfield to get it together to replace Kopitar. Which I don't want. I really enjoy the league with Kopitar and Bergeron in it. So if they could just keep playing hockey yeah. forever. I mean, he's he's 35. He's got at least a couple more years, yeah, right? If he could finish yeah. that contract, at least. Yeah, this, I mean, yeah, he, he played all 82 this year. Had his highest point total since 2018. I mean, if he's he does a, he's that again. He's got a couple more years. Maybe he's just ageless, all right? Maybe he can just do it forever. Uh, yeah, the, the East, the bottom of the, the teams in the East, I really just don't think we're all that competitive in the first place. The top of the East is just too good to be one of those those bottom-end teams right now. It, it, obviously, the Boston-Florida thing is a little bit of a different conversation, but... I, I also really I've, – I've spent a lot of time thinking about this since they eliminated the Bruins. I think we all slept on the Panthers just a little bit. I actually agree and, with this. Yeah. And, and, and not in the sense of, like, they're a better team than we thought, but in the fact that they're a year removed from winning the President's Trophy and being a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. They, they won a round last year. They added Matthew Kachuk. They, they have Barkov. They, they, there was just no belief in the goaltending, right? Right, and, right. But you get they two months it. of good goaltending and you can win a cup, yeah. And, and that's what we, the three of us were actually talking about this just a little bit the other night at the bar. And, and and I'm far, I'm miles away from taking this to the bank. But like, Bobrovsky has the level. He just like, hasn't been at it in a long time, yeah. Right, right. He He's got the ability to play at a level that you would need to win a Stanley Cup. It's just he hasn't done it in a long time, and when he does do it, it's hard to know that you're going to get any consistency. I don't know. I, I just the, the the more I watched that first round play out, and then watching Game One the other night against Toronto, I was like, this is a a better team than maybe we thought. This is it's 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 a team with high end talent that is playing loose and believes in themselves right now, and that's a scary team to play in the playoffs. It was when uh, what's his name? I can't. Cousins scored the first goal the other night against Toronto, and it was just his celebration and kind of the way the team crowd around. I was like, those dudes are playing without a care in the world, and that's a dangerous team. When you know when you have a team that has high end talent playing with house money, I don't want to get caught in that path. It's interesting. So my concern in round one was when Aaron Eckblad got hurt in game three, I think it was, I was like, oh, well, that's it. Their best defensive defenseman's now going to be gone for the series and they won't be able to stop anybody. But then he came back. He was okay. And their defense really is constructed quite well. Obviously, Brandon Montour having an incredible season. And then guys like Radko Gudas and Mike Benning, who aren't the best defenders in the world, but if you wanted to pick a, hey, this guy will beat the shit out of you in the playoffs type defenseman. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it, yeah, they've, they've got, they've got good depth. They have star power. Uh, you know, a guy like Matthew Kachuk is going to get a ton of uh, heart trophy votes this year. Um, when, when you just dig into the construction of that roster, I'm with you, Rudo. I think a lot of the, the doubt came from what was happening in net, but, that's a much better team than maybe a lot of us 
gave them credit led for, on. For sure. yeah. yeah, or gave them credit for it is a better way of putting it. Better way of putting it. It it is one of those things too where I think a lot of their guys started playing their best hockey in the playoffs. Sam Bennett was just okay in the regular season. Nails for them in that series against Boston. There's, uh, and I don't remember who it is, but Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman quote, it's an old GM. I don't remember who it was that said it. The there's players that get you there. Then there's players that get you through. Yeah. They've got a lot of guys that get you through. And to your point, Rudo, they're all really starting to rev it up right now. And then Brady Kachuk looks like he's both of those guys. He gets you there and he gets you through. Matt, but yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, I hate it. Brothers in this league. Uh, but I uh, I still call Jean-Luc Liam all the time. <laughs> well, and, and and especially since both the Kachucks are dope. Like, they're both really good. Yeah, and they're both, yeah. like, really hard to play against and pests, but also can score. They're just – they're very similar. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be I, – I said it yesterday. I think it was off the air, I think, or maybe it was during our thing. I think whoever comes out of Toronto, Florida goes to the cup final out of the East. I, agree. Um, I just think Florida's showing that they're a better team than people gave them credit for. Uh, we do have one super chat here from Melanie who says, thanks all. I'm learning lots from you all with a smiley face. Thank you very much, Melanie. We do our best to get a lot of learning in the off season. That's uh <laughs> We're, we're going to dive in even deeper as the offseason goes in. We'll get into salary cap constraints and what the abs can do and all of those things. Oh, God, I got to sneak. Oof, what a pro. Caught Click it. on the mute Caught button. This time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, it, look, it should be a fun offseason. I, uh, I know a lot of you experienced an offseason last year where we had four weeks to talk about random stuff from the abs and then we had two weeks where it's like yeah no we're actually gonna die if we don't take time off so uh a lot more conversations to have this off season for sure um i'm good unless you guys have anything else you want to add nope nope i think i'm good just just the off season stuff it is gonna be it's funny because i made the comment it's for all intents and purposes it's been two full years since we've had to do a long off season yep. with multiple months of nothing. We're gonna, we'll see this August what we're talking about. It could get uh, <laughs> could get interesting. <laughs> Leave it yeah. that way. Uh, we're gonna get out of here. If you have AHL TV, go enjoy the Colorado Eagles trying to close out their series tonight. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow talking more probably NHL playoff stuff, but maybe more abs conversations. Who knows what the news of the day will bring. We appreciate all y'all and we will see you in the next one.